0: Okay, Jude, verse 1, we're really going to just look at the introduction tonight, I believe uh, that's all we'll do. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. traditional I mean we know him as Jude that's that's what the book is entitled right but it's no different than Judas Iscariot and Judas uh, the uh, Judas the son of James Who was one of the other disciples one of the 12 apostles uh, but I, I, probably I'm not sure how it worked out that those two, the other two are Judas, and this is Jude, but most likely to distinguish him from the betrayer, right? From Judas Iscariot. But um, there's three Judases, as we try to, or we think about, of course, who wrote this book. We can't be sure. He's, a, he's got James, who is a brother. Uh, there's the apostle, Judas who is the son of James. Uh, So there's two Judas apostles. You know, we know Judas Iscariot didn't write this because he's gone already. He's hung himself, fallen down into the valley. Uh, So it's, as far as the biblical Judas is, it's either the apostle uh, Judas, who is the son of James, or it's Jude, who is Jesus' brother, half-brother. Uh, this Judas who is the son of James, uh, if, if this was written by that Judas, the apostle, surely he would have mentioned he's an apostle. Paul always mentioned he's an apostle if he's the only one addressing the letters. When he comes to Timothy, it, sometimes he'll say, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and he doesn't say, he just uh, calls themselves servants but any time Paul addresses a letter on his own, he mentions that he's an apostle. So does Peter, for both letters of Peter. It's Peter, the, an apostle. So uh, surely Judas, the son of James, who was an apostle, would have mentioned that if it was him. So I think pretty much we have, uh, this is Jesus' uh, half-brother, uh, the brother of James, uh, Matthew 13, uh, the questions come up. Is this not the carpenter's son is not his mother called Mary are not his brothers, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. So, uh, James, the brother, I mean, a Jude, the brother of James, uh, is, uh, this Jude that we are talking about who's written this letter, uh, Neither he nor James were uh, of the original 12. James took on an apostolic role in the church in Jerusalem. After after James the apostle is killed by Herod, he becomes the leader of the church. And here's uh, Galatians 1, 18 and 19. Paul is writing, after three years I want to... Went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, who is Peter, and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. So at that point, uh, uh, Paul calls him an apostle, but he's not one of the original 12, but he is leading the church in an apostolic role as he is the succeeding pastor or succeeding leader of the church there in Jerusalem presided over the Jerusalem council when they were attempting to uh, shut down the Judaizers heresy of adding to salvation, making sure Paul, wanted, Paul and Barnabas wanting to make sure the gospel that they took to Galatia was approved, if you will, or at least according to the church, the apostles there in Jerusalem. Uh, so he, uh, James would have been a well-known um, uh christian in jerusalem area Uh, jude a servant of jesus christ and a brother of james uh, doesn't give any i mean how many jameses do we find in the new testament many he doesn't give a designation at all james just james and that but taking for granted you would know who James is, in that he's leading the church in Jerusalem at the time, uh, so and that will be his brother. Uh, uh, so he uh, calls himself a servant of God. We talked last week. The descendants of the family of Jesus uh, were thought to be sort of an elite. They were given a name that was sort of uh, Jesus is called the master here. When we see the master, it's a different word than we usually know about Lord. Or it's it's, a, it's actually the English word despot. And so um, the ancestors or the, the family members of Jesus were sort of called little masters, master with a uh a little M instead of a capital M like the Lord Jesus is our master. So they were uh, uh, privileged in the sight of the culture. And uh, so that's what Jude does. He doesn't want to... He wants to avoid any idea that he is promoting himself as somebody special. So instead of taking on anything like saying, I'm Jesus' brother. He says, I'm a servant. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ, Uh, a servant, a bond slave. So he's seeking not to avoid any superiority. He didn't want to give the impression that he was equal with uh, Jesus in any way, uh, which uh, claiming that could be easily misunderstood. So he's careful. He's humble, he humbles himself and just calls himself a, a servant, a slave. Jesus and Paul both spoke about how, how we can be slaves to sin. Um, we've been redeemed from slavery as believers, right? We are no longer slaves of sin. By the death and resurrection of Jesus, though, we're now slaves of righteousness. And so Jude, in that, understands that paradox that we are no longer slaves to sin, but we become slaves to Jesus, bondservants of Jesus, and true freedom and abundant life are only going to be found as we totally, as we submit ourselves to Jesus as Lord and Master of our life. Becoming a slave of Jesus Christ. Um, You've got family members who aren't saved and you've been praying for them or uh, friends. You've been praying for them uh, and it's just been a long time. And it gets tedious. And it's hard to hang in there sometimes to have any hope. Well, Jude, Jude's an example for you. He, uh, you know, you say, why? If, maybe you've had this con- this conversation with yourself after talking to someone who is not a Christian. Um, man, if I'd have just told them this verse. Or if I just said that, they would have been converted. Why can't they see what I see? Uh Why can't they know the truth? What can I tell to convince them? Uh, Well, James and Jude grew up with Jesus as their brother. I don't know what kind of a life as children that would have been, but they grew up seeing him. Uh, And it wasn't until after the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, that they became believers. Uh, John chapter 7, not even his brothers believed in him. John said, uh, speaking of Jesus, uh, what can we say? Well, it's only the miracle of a new creation that people can see the gospel and see the truth, right? God has to work make us new people. Uh, And so it wasn't until after his death and the resurrection that they came to faith. Acts 1.14, all these with one accord. You remember Jesus has gone to the, has ascended into heaven. The disciples have come back kind of together. uh, They had deserted Jesus They'd spread out. They'd all left. Then they came back together, but they locked themselves in the upper room for fear of what might happen. Uh, All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So at this point now, the brothers apparently are believing And so Jude would be included in that. He probably saw Jesus turn water into wine. That didn't affect anything. Uh, Most likely knew of his healings, maybe even raising a couple of people from the dead, Um, fed 5,000. But eventually, and in God's time, he did work in his life. maybe through the crisis of the death and resurrection of his family, uh, of his brother. So uh, Jude is now a believer. And so that can give us hope, right? I mean, he's an adult. We don't know how old he is. We can't really tell when he wrote this it's so much like Second Peter. There's a section of Second Peter that Jude is just is so much like, so it's probably around that time, and Peter was martyred in mid-60s, so it's probably around that time, but there's no indication here for us when it was written. But as long as someone's alive, there's hope. And we continue to pray, and we continue to talk. And Jude was converted to Christ. We don't know if people will be saved or not, but we pray and we declare the gospel. And Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I won't cast them out. I'll take them in. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we trust in that. And so Jude rejected Jesus for years, but he didn't reject Jude. And Jude came to Christ. That proves that God loves sinners, right? That's good. Isn't that good? We could do Romans 5, 6. While we were weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. We talk about that regular, you know. If, if, as you share the gospel, people don't think they're too bad. They're not bad. We're pretty good guys. We're not, I mean, you know, we don't. Well, if you're not ungodly, Jesus didn't die for you. You don't have a Savior. He died for the ungodly. Uh, God shows his love for us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 4, 5, To the one who does not work, but trusts in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. God justifies the ungodly. I'm glad. I'm glad. Because that was me. Uh, Probably you. If you shared your testimony, most of you have if you're members here. We know your testimony. You had to come to a place to realize you were ungodly. Even if you weren't in rebellion, even if you were a nice person. You were at enmity with God. You were an enemy of God. Jude, who grew up side by side with the incarnate God, rejected it. Rejected him. So, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. That's who the letter's from. To... Those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. This is the first of the little triplets that Jude uses on a regular basis. Notice what, how he describes these who, who are receiving the letter. They're called, they're beloved, and they're kept. Uh, really, that's a, that's a definition of a Christian called, beloved, and kept. Uh, Next verse, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. There's another triplet. Er, When he talks about God's judgment, he gives three examples. Those who died in the wilderness wanderings after the Exodus, he talks about the fallen angels who are judged by God, and he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah. As three examples of God judging those in the world. Uh, Three examples of false teachers, Cain, Balaam, and Korah. As Jude recalls, the Old Testament examples of these false teachers that he is going to teach us or teach all about uh, in this little letter. And there's others that we'll see as we go. But Jesus, but Jude is really kind of laying some foundational questions. These false teachers are presenting a false gospel. Contrary to the faith that was delivered once for all to the saints. And so he's going to lay down here right in the beginning what a Christian is. The foundational principles of what a, a Christian is. Uh, a Christian... Uh, He uses these three words, called, beloved, and kept. A Christian is not someone who goes to church, simply goes to church. Christians go to church. Not someone who is born into a Christian home. Uh, Many, many of you had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. Some of you didn't. But Christian home, no Christian home doesn't make a determination whether or not you are uh, in Christ, or you are a Christian. Uh, we, we've been in a privileged country, but Americans are not Christians, necessarily, just because we're Americans. We're not, Christians are not those who are doing their best to be as good and kind as they can be. Uh, lost people can be good and kind. Unsaved people But Christians should be good and kind. Not to get God's approval, but because we are approved by God and we are called, beloved, and kept by God. Non-Christians can do all of those things. There's kind atheists. There's uh, polite Muslims not because their Quran tells them to be polite and contrary to the, what their Koran tells them, but there are nice Muslims. But they're not looking to Jesus Christ as their only hope. So a Christian is someone who's called, loved, and kept. Christians are, and, and notice, these are not things that they have done. They're called by God. They're beloved by God. And they're kept for and by Jesus Christ. This is is what the Lord does. The Lord initiates this. This is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. That's God's work that we have faith and believe in him who he has sent. So whatever trouble comes, having been called by God the Spirit, we remain loved by God the Father and are kept by Jesus Christ. And so Jude is writing to those who are facing some hard issues, false teachings, persecution they'd be in danger of being judged by god he says if you turn away and follow these false teachers they're about to be encouraged to contend for the faith and jude establishes the basis for their success and that is god's hands the one who called Loved and kept them. Christians are wonderfully privileged people belonging to God who continues to keep them and protect them. Right? Are you thankful? Do you realize God is good? All the time. All the time. Whatever God does is right. Keep that in your hip pocket. Or you will get upset with God at times. Okay, so we're called. What does that mean? Effectually called by God himself. Okay, effectually called by God Himself. God called Israel to be His own. Right. Isaiah 41, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. So there's some Old Testament roots to this this word called. Uh, There's two kinds of call. call, The same word is used two different ways, all right? There's a general call. Jesus says many are called, few are chosen. You know, uh, when when we stand up and preach, there should be, I hope there is, a call for people to believe in Christ, to believe God's word. Sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. It's a call, an, an outward call, that can be rejected or it can be accepted. Uh, that's not the call here. Right? That's not the call here. Yeah, some heed the call, others don't. The general call. There is nothing in my power. There is nothing in your power when you call people to believe in Jesus Christ that will bring them. To Jesus Christ. You're not the one. You can't. uh, Convict them of their sin. As hard as you try. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. Right. Uh, But you take the word of God that is shared. And the spirit of God who is. At work. And you become an instrument of God to penetrate the heart with the truth of the gospel here though is the call of god the effectual call of god the the call of god that is efficient that bring that people answer always um let me let me just here here's what our statement of faith our confession says it's Well, It's three or four sentences, I think, or maybe it's just one. No, it's three or four sentences. Stop me if you want to stop. At a time appointed by and acceptable to God, those whom God has predestined to life are effectually called by his word and spirit. We good so far? Out of the state of death, dead in our trespasses and sins, in which they are by nature, to, uh, effectually called by his word and spirit to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ. Their minds are given spiritual enlightenment. They just can't fathom it. An unsaved person A natural man, Paul says, cannot understand the things of God. So their minds are given spiritual enlightenment, and as those who are being saved, they begin to understand the things of God. God takes away their heart of stone and gives them a heart of flesh. He renews their will. And by his almighty power, he sets them to seek and follow that which is good. At the same time, effectually drawing them to Jesus Christ. And to all these changes, they come most freely, for they are made willing by divine grace. That's very important. Let me read it again. To all these changes, they come most freely freely for they are made willing by divine grace. Why is that important? What's the importance of that? Okay, without grace, we wouldn't come willingly. God is not dragging us against our will. We chose not to come. God works in our life. He changes our will, our volition, that faculty of our inner man is changed by God, and so we willingly come. When before we willingly rejected, we willingly ran, we willingly rebelled. Yes? King James uses sanctified. I don't know if that's... Where? That instead of... Sanctified by God. Then he says preserved in Jesus Christ and called. So they use sanctified, preserved, and called. So you're it's using sanctified for love yeah. in the ESV. And then the last one is called, but yours is kept. No, call well, that's a different order. Called is still uh, there, it's in your King James. Yeah, the the difference one. is Beloved of God is ch- you're changed to sanctified. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, sanctified, preserved, and called. preserved is what you're using for beloved. No, preserved is kept. Yeah. I thought you said called, beloved, kept. Well, that's the order in my Bible, yeah. but the Greek words will be kept is, uh, uh, what's, what's your word? Preserved. Preserved preserved Same idea, they're, the, they're synonyms, right? It's just sanctified. You're changing sanctified. Uh, King James is different in that this is beloved, loved by God uh, and, and they uh, translate sanctified. But all of these are God's initiation. God initiates and does these. This is the work of God that we believe in Him. We believe in Him because He called us to Christ. Which he does, uh, that's he does mm-hmm. yeah. So every Christian, everyone who is a Christian has heard the gospel. Um, either in a service, uh Someone who witnessed, who gave shared the gospel with you. You're reading the word of God. Somehow, you've heard the gospel, the Holy Spirit. You heard the Holy Spirit as he called you to Christ. Out of the world, away from the pleasures. He convicted you of your sin. Because the Spirit will convict us of sin. And then he will convict us of righteousness and of judgment. He illuminated or illumined Christ in all of his grace and love and effectively drew you to the cross where Jesus died to take away your sins. Even while you were enemies, even while you were ungodly. You say, well, I wasn't in rebellion. You know, I, I think about my life, I've told you up more, off, over and over again. I, had, I was not in rebellion against God, at least in my mind. I wish I could tell you what I thought about God before the night I was saved. I have no idea. He was not a part of what I was thinking, but I was in rebellion against him. I'd heard the gospel I just didn't know what, I I didn't know what it was. It m- made no registry in my mind. I wasn't a dumb kid. I mean, I was 21 years old. At least I could think a little bit. Made no sense at all to me. I don't know where you were, how, when it was you were converted, and what you were thinking when you were converted. I know, I know one guy here who was, running from the hound of heaven for years. I, I was, didn't know it, and the Lord just saved me because I heard the gospel and the Spirit of God worked and I believed. Who else? Anybody else? Darkness? Darkness? Can't see the hand in front of your face. We'll see that Sunday morning. You say you you don't have recollection of your thought of God before? I do not, Barry. What a blessing. (laughs) (laughs) Of my rejection and rebellion. Yeah, Yeah. I don't. I do remember they told me I had to get baptized to play on that basketball team when I was 10. (laughs) I had to pray a prayer and then uh, 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 get baptized so I could be on the basketball team. But I don't know, it didn't... My mother, of course, would have told you that she took me to church a whole lot. I can remember going to church four or five times in 21 years. Then my mother was saved right after I was saved. Uh, But anyway, anybody else? What was it like for you? Did you know... Who knew they were rebelling against God before they were saved? Some of you were saved young... And you probably didn't you know, so that conversion point is is not as clear for some. Right? But how many were how many knew they were rebelling? You knew you were running against God? Yeah. I couldn't care less. But you knew it? Oh, you didn't know. Yeah, I couldn't care less I definitely Mm. I yeah. yeah I had a For a season, you just had to do it again and again and again, right, to keep up the enjoyment. When I was, uh, I, my parents would, if I lived with them, I had to go to church. Mm-hmm. And I would dress up, this is before I came all this weight, dress up in stupid clothes, makeup all over me. I was rebelling. I did not want to be there. So I was telling them that. Yeah. So when you're asking the question, of it, what, what changed when I would go in there, I could see the pastor talking, but I couldn't hear what he was saying. Yeah. And once I was saved, all of a sudden I could hear what he was saying. Yeah. Well, that's what Jude says happened to these people. God called them. The effectual call came. They heard the gospel. They trusted, entrusted themselves to Jesus Christ. And then they're having responded, they are then enabled to live lives pleasing to God. Because until you're saved, you can't please God. No matter how good you can be, it's not pleasing to God. Uh, Isaiah 42, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant I will give you as a covenant for the people a light for the nations. See, the Jews missed that point. They, didn't really, they rejected the idea that they were chosen by God to be a light for the nations, for the Gentiles. No, they thought it was all about them. Or Romans 8.30, you know this one. Whom he predestined he called. So everybody predestined were called. Whom he called, he justified. There's the picture. There's the assurance that the call always is answered by the one God calls. Because whom he called, he justified. And then whom he justified, he glorified. Right? which says we're kept, right? Glorified is future, but Paul uses it in such a way that it's a snapshot of our life all the way to the end. Predestined, then he called. Not Those who are predestined are called. They're called, they're justified. And they're justified when they're justified, they will be glorified in the end. That's just that's just God's work. He who began a work in you will complete that work in the day of Jesus Christ. That God calls his people is proof he took the initiative because he loves us and reminds us he'll keep and see us through. And that's what he goes on to say. Beloved by God, loved by God. That's the reason for the call. He calls us because he loves us, undeserved. You remember in Deuteronomy 7, if you remember, God tells the Jews, Moses tells them, I didn't pick you because you were strong. I didn't pick you because I saw great potential in you. I didn't pick you because you were anybody at all. I picked you because I loved you. That's it. That's the only reason the Jews were the chosen people of God. Uh, Is because the Lord loves you. The Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand. That's the Exodus. Redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. It is because the Lord loves you. Uh, And it's the same for us in the new covenant. We're redeemed not because we're special. God didn't look at uh, Jason and say, "You know what? Jason's next door neighbor is really a scoundrel, and he can't understand this." But there's so much potential in Jason. I'm gonna, I'm gonna save Jason. He'll be a warrior for God. No, <laughs> that's not it. It's because. God loved him, called him, and is keeping him and will keep him to the end. He didn't call us because we're special or because of our potential, but because he loved us. I mean, you're going to brag about your salvation? Uh, You got nothing to brag about except that you belong to Jesus Christ. Yes. In, in Luke chapter 9, on the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, Jesus is speaking to Moses and Elijah, and it says he spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. That word departure is the word exodus a second exodus, Jesus leaving this world, but he also redeemed us from the slavery of sin, which gives us freedom in Christ, and we become God's precious or treasured possession. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We become God's treasured possession. King James, peculiar people. Yeah, we are peculiar, but we're not peculiar for the sake of being different. We're peculiar because God has saved us, and we're his treasured possession as his people. And then we're kept by or for Jesus Christ could be either way. We're kept for Jesus Christ here. Uh, We're kept by Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus praying. You remember the uh, high priestly prayer in John 17, Jesus comes to uh, the father. And in verse 11, he's saying, I'm no longer in the world. I'm about to be taken out of the world, but they are in the world. Speaking of his disciples and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, those whom you have given me. Keep them in your name, that they may be one as, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name. So you see, there's a, in this prayer, in this high priestly prayer, while Jesus is here, he's keeping his disciples secure. Yeah, they're uh, slow learners. You know, they don't have the spirit truly indwelling them yet, but they are followers of Jesus Christ and they're disciples and they're slow learners, but he kept them in his name. Now he's going to the cross. And it's some way a handoff to the father while he goes through his passion. Now, Father, keep them. I kept them up to this point. You keep them. And we're kept by Christ, and then we're kept for Christ, having been, become part of the gift the Father has given to the Son. Secured by God in view, all the way to the end in view of the return of Christ. Uh, Look at verse 21 of Jude. Keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Verse 21. Then verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord be glory majesty dominion and authority before all time and now and forevermore so we're kept by God he who began a work in you will complete that work it's the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints but the important part of that is we'll only persevere because God preserves us because God keeps us Uh, when you feel tossed, when we see division, when we see Christians falling, um, when we know we need forgiveness because we've stumbled, uh, we can keep our joy. We can hold on to our gratitude. that God's word promises the Lord Jesus will bring us through. Um, all the warnings which are going to come in his letter are heard in the context of these saints that he's writing to, these Christians that he's writing to have been called and they have been loved by God and they are being kept by and for the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he just says in verse 2, mercy, peace, and love. You know, peace, mercy, peace, love, uh, The mercy of God is that loving kindness of God, his mercy and his grace kind of melded together into uh, this merciful God who, and peace is the the experience we experience. We're at peace with God and we experience the peace of God. Uh, And yeah, those are given to us, but they're also expected of us to imitate our Savior, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. That's the blessing of being a Christian and the call of being a Christian. And we have a responsibility. We're stewards of what God has given us, His Word. The church is the pillar of truth, the buttress of truth. And we Christians are the ones we were called to take the gospel to others may we do that in Jesus name Father we thank you for this little book this little introduction Father for a reminder of who we are in Christ and Lord also a reminder of only those who are in Christ Father I pray that you would Keep us grateful. Lord, keep us tender hearted, compassionate, sympathetic toward those who are outside of Christ, who are walking in the broad way that leads to destruction. Lord, I pray that you would uh, work in us an awareness of each situation and opportunity you put before us and help us to seize the moment. In Christ's name, amen.